You're listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, Episode 53. Welcome to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, where we explore public health epidemiology careers and share tips and strategies to help you enter or transition into the field. And now your host, Dr. Charlotte Hughes-Huntley. Greetings, everyone, and thank you for joining me on this episode today. In today's episode, I'm going to introduce you to Karen Akins. Now, Karen is working on a documentary. She refers to it as a passion project. So it's really all about heart. She really has had the heart for social sciences. She has a political science background. She's really interested in the policy and the advocacy angle of things. And she shares her story about how she got involved and how she's been involved in you know multiple projects over the years. And the upcoming documentary, which is scheduled to be finished around the spring of 2019. And then she will also talk about International Quit Soda Day. Now that's coming up relatively soon. And I actually rearranged my schedule for the podcast so that I could get this one completed and released as soon as possible. Because if any of you are listening and interested in what she shares and talks about, and you want to get involved, I want you to have an opportunity and have enough time to get involved. So I will let her explain all of that. She does an incredible job of explaining the details. And then I've done a pretty decent job of making sure the notes are available, the links for everything she discusses. So if you happen to be walking or driving or you doing other things while you're listening to this episode, no need to worry about notes or look for any websites. You'll be able to access all of that on the show notes page for this episode, which is 53. Right now, I just want you to Tune in, listen carefully as she tells her story. You'll be able to hear her passion for various causes because, you know, it just really comes out clearly as she describes, you know, what she's been doing. You can really tell that her passion has been the driving force. And it reminds me of episode number 16. Now, I'm always talking to you, encouraging you to really get in tune with what you care most about regarding public health and let that be the point and the place where all of your other activities are, are driven from in terms of looking for jobs and, and finding your career. So Karen is a great example of someone who's driven by what she truly cares about and the opportunities that are opening up as a result. So listen carefully for that. And I also want you to listen for those opportunities to get involved in raising awareness of this impact of sugary drinks in both of these health promotion projects that she'll be describing during the interview. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into that interview, and then I'll come back at the end and just summarize a few things for you. All right, here we go. So Karen, thank you for joining me on this episode. I'm really excited to have you here today. Well, thank you, Dr. Huntley, for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Awesome. Now, we have so much that I'd like to be able to cover. So if it's all right with you, I'd like to just dive right in. Go ahead. All right. Well, let's start with you just summarizing your background. Give us an idea of, you know, what you did previously, you know, the kind of work that you do now. Okay. Well, um, it's very strange that I'm here on an epidemiological podcast (laughs) um, because I am a trained urban designer and uh, uh, it took me a very strange route to get to uh, have an interest in public health topics, but I'm definitely here. And I grew up in Texas. My father was a scientist at a big public university and I had no interest whatsoever in science. I did political science and uh, worked in Washington for years. And when I started to uh, have kids, I became a little bit more interested in 
some public health issues. And uh, now I am in a new career working as a documentary filmmaker, sort of fulfilling a lifelong dream. And uh, just happens that my documentary is on a public health topic. It's about sugary drinks and diabetes, and uh, it takes place in Mexico. And it it's a very interesting story about what's been happening down there for the past few years. Oh, yes, indeed. And I'd like to really dig into that because I think your your journey into public health is something that I am excited for my audience to hear. You know, the majority of the people that listen to the podcast are either students working on a degree in public health or maybe career. Um, they've completed their degree in public health or are trying to get into a career position, maybe transitioning from something completely different into public health. And people are always challenged with how to do that. And here is a phenomenal story of, from you of how you, you know, moved into public health without really looking for it. So please just kind of discuss your journey into public health. Tell me how you, you know, initially became interested and, you know, just kind of tell that part of your story. Uh, I think I really became interested as a mother. I, uh, was raising my kids in a in an urban environment, and it had very poor infrastructure for biking and walking. And I just out of sheer frustration became sort of active in my neighborhood and in my town and in my state on uh, issues and bike and pedestrian issues um, and got involved in the early days of the Safe Routes to School program. Uh, before it was actually a federal program, uh, there were a lot of us that were just working on it at the grassroots level, and we were organizing walk to school days and you know putting pressure on our elected officials to fund things so that our kids had sidewalks they didn't know have to walk in the street to get to school. So I became very active and I worked in that area both in Texas and then when I moved up to Vermont. I worked on it um, here where I'm living now and uh, even was a nationally certified Safe Routes to School trainer. So that's sort of how that evolved. But the focus at that point was on childhood obesity. But um, then I had an experience where I started to think, you know what, it's as much about nutrition as it is about physical activity. So I started getting interested in the nutrition aspects of obesity. And uh, then I had this experience in Mexico that really opened my eyes to a link, the link between sugary drinks and diabetes. Oh, wow. We have a little bit of a tough connection, but I know that you oh. said that link to sugary drinks and diabetes in Mexico. That was the most right. recent. So, right. So, um, I was, uh, at, at that point, I was, after my kids had grown up and I was uh, an empty nester. I saw an ad in a local paper of if you're interested in going on a medical mission to Mexico, you know, we have this group going. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, that sounds good. I'd like to get out of Vermont in November. It's really not a very nice <laughs> month up here. And I had no idea, no background. And I just thought, and they were looking for volunteers. So I ended up going down to Mexico with a group of uh, diabetes educators. Uh, we they went down for a month at a time in the in November every year, and I saw the problems that they were having there, and it was really shocking. Mm. Um, we were the, so it was a diabetes 
testing mission, we would go to small rural communities where they didn't even speak Spanish, they just spoke Mayan, and we would go to school or test whole police departments or firefighters or all the taxi drivers. We were going around testing people for diabetes, but none of them uh, really had regular medical care, so they had no idea what their blood sugar levels were. So we were coming in and just trying to do these mass screenings of people, and we were finding very high rates of diabetes and prediabetes. It was it was shocking, and um, and that was at a time when a lot of data didn't exist. And so, you know, in subsequent missions, we had people with us that were actually documenting the rates that we were seeing. And I think then later the you know country developed collection methods and were able to verify what we were seeing on the ground with these very high rates. Mm. Wow. That is so people. So in the, in the, the early trips you made down there, um, they were, or I guess in the early, you know, mission trips, they were not collecting the data, but they were just really receiving these high values. So, so people in the community really didn't have any idea that it was diabetes that was out of control and causing the illnesses. That's right. And I think the woman who started doing these missions, her name was Dorothy Malone Rising, and she was down there on vacation, and she was talking to some American expats that were living down there, and they were telling her about somebody who had you know, died the previous night, and he had gone into a diabetic coma, and nobody knew what to, to do. And so there were these stories sort of circulating, things like that would happen, or you would have people that were blind or who had amputations, but they had no idea what had led to that in the first place. They had no idea that it was related to their blood sugar levels. So, um, you know, it was very, very alarming, but she felt like she wanted to do something about it and just try to get as many people tested and give them very basic education if they seem to have problems so that they would at least you know, have a better idea how to take care of themselves. Mm. Okay. Um, what about, um, so how did it progress to the connection with the sugary drinks The as far as the diabetes in the area? How did they really start to identify that as being a major problem? Well, we just saw it everywhere around us. You know, we, we just saw the, the amount of Coke that everybody was drinking. And, you know, we didn't, we felt it, but then we didn't actually know it till much later that that region of Mexico has the highest rate of Coke consumption in the entire world. Um, so even Mexico has a high rate, but even within Mexico, that particular region was particularly high. So, um, it, and like I said, it, it, we didn't go in there with the intention of lecturing anybody about sugary drinks and diabetes, but it just turned out that we saw this as a major problem. They were drinking it for hydration. Mm -hmm. They weren't drinking it as a treat. And the, there are individuals who might drink five liters per day. I mean, there were, you, you would hear stories about that all the time. And the, all the construction workers have a three liter bottle of Coke underneath their arms as they go to work. And that's what they, they use to, you know, keep their energy up during the course of the day. So this was just sort of a cultural thing that had developed. And I think that's sort of the same thing that's going on in the rest of the country. So, 
um, you know, it was, it was disturbing, but, you know, they have their reasons for doing that. The water quality is not always good. There have been cholera outbreaks, you know, very recently. So, uh, you know, if you had, if you have a, a young baby and you have a choice between giving them water or giving them a purified sugary drink, you might give them the sugary drink so that they don't get dysentery or something worse. So, you know, these are the things that were happening down there. And, you know, we did often hear stories of uh, mothers who put uh, Coke in their baby's bottles. And, you know, they didn't know that that was a bad thing to do. They they said, well, the babies like it. But, you know, there wasn't this knowledge about the link between the consumption of these drinks and health problems later on down the line. There just wasn't any knowledge at the time. But um, mm. the other thing that was really interesting is that when they did have diabetes, they would tell us it was because they had L-cysto. Um, and L-cysto means a fright. It's a, like a severe fright or a trauma that they believe causes your soul to leave your body. And that's sort of their traditional explanation for how you, you get diabetes. And it's not just very rural and educated people that still adhere to folk beliefs that believe that. It's very widespread throughout the country. I think 76% of the people in Mexico still believe that you get diabetes by El Sisto. So that actually became the title for my film, El Sisto. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of funny because what we're really saying in the film is that really it's sort of it's a shock to your body that's coming from a lot of ultra-processed food. So we're kind of, you know, doing a double meaning between El Sisto and, you know, the traditional belief and then kind of a more modern definition of why people are getting diabetes. Okay. Well, that I was wondering about the name. I wasn't sure how you got the name. So how did you get to the uh, idea? Or how did this lead to the idea for the film? Well, um, I think what we were seeing down there was very cinematic in a way. We would be in these you know, under these thatched roofs way out in the Mexican jungle, testing these, you know, beautiful Mayan women with their hand-sewn blouses. And, you know, very it was very picturesque, and roosters would be crowing in the background. It was kind of just a very, you know, atmospheric situation. It wasn't like a sterile diabetes testing situation in a hospital. So I started kind of filming what I was seeing just to, you know, bring it back and show to people here and then it sort of became a bigger thing and I and I heard in 2013 that they actually passed a national soda tax down there I'm like well that would be an interesting story you could sort of show the crisis developing and then show the country a bit about it but then other crazy things happened that will be apparent when the film is out. So then it became an even more dramatic story. But it's it's mm. uh, there's a lot of uh, interesting developments, and they declared a national epidemiological emergency in Mexico in November 2016 because of the twin epidemics of type two diabetes and obesity. So they still have problems. It's still ongoing, but um, it's an interesting story about what's happening down there. Well, definitely looking forward to that film um, being complete. And when do you anticipate that it will be finished? Uh, we're going into doing sort of the um, 
major editing of it this fall, and it'll probably spill over into early 2019. So probably in the spring of uh, 2019 will be finished, and in the summer we'll start doing uh, private screenings at uh, public health conferences so that people can see it and think about how they might be able to use it in their own communities to increase the level of awareness about sugary drinks and diabetes. Um, so, and then and then later than that, it will be you know released to the public, you know, through Netflix or Amazon or whatever. But um, we'll start out by rolling it out to the public health community. That's very um, that's very good. I'm all on board with that. I think uh, my my audience has heard me say this many times that my research interests primarily are with obesity and obesity related comorbidities and you know diabetes type 2 diabetes is right up there in number one spot as you know coexisting with obesity so you are covering uh, an area that i am personally and personally very interested in so i definitely will be following you you know as we get closer to that time frame and um you know we'll be talking more about that um i want to ask you about quit soda day and right so um thank you for asking about that because that's sort of a more immediate thing yes. um so um international quit soda day is on october the 20th of every year this will be the second annual event uh it was started by a pediatrician in maine dr kevin strong who was seeing a lot of obese children in his practice and he became interested in um, using counter branding to uh, which is sort of rap music and graffiti to try to convince kids that drinking soda is not cool so he's a really passionate health advocate and he established this last year uh, as a day that we all work together to promote quitting soda to improve your health and uh, I talked to him about how we could grow the event. And this year, um, we're adding another element, which is we're doing a cloud film. Uh, we're asking people from all over the world to submit videos taking a pledge to quit soda. And we're going to edit these all into a short inspirational film with like clips of people from all over, all different languages, all different backgrounds, taking this pledge talking about the link between sugary drinks and diabetes. And, you know, we're hoping that it'll have some kind of effect. Um, you can challenge other people in it. You know, maybe it'll go viral, maybe it won't. But we're, uh, you know, going to try to get some kind of a promotional piece pulled together. Wow. So in order to be able to participate, you know, for someone who's interested, can you just kind of um, – Take us through the steps of doing that, just to give an idea of what they would need to do to participate in this challenge. Okay. Well, it takes one and a half minutes, I know, because I timed it. I did it myself recently. <laughs> uh, we have a script that you can read all or part of um, that we have on our website. And you download it and can read it. You can film yourself or have somebody film you or do it with a friend and then send it in to us. And then we will... Um, try to include it in, in this little cloud film. We'll just have little snippets of everybody doing it. Um, and I will make sure that you have on your own blog the 
place where you can download the script. And uh, if you film a friend or children, maybe there's a little form in there to also sign a, a release so that we can use the video in our film. So um, it's very simple. It's short. And we would love to have widespread participation. And, you know, if you have a friend that you've been uh, wanting to quit soda, maybe you can kind of goad them into it by publicly challenging them uh, to do it and posting that on your own social media site and tagging them. So we're hoping that we can start something going and and uh, we'll keep doing it every year, add different layers to it to try to build the day and have a day where people can take a really important step toward improving their health. Oh, I think that's I think that's a great initiative and I think that's a great way of, you know, raising the awareness of sugary drinks. I think we all are aware that, you know, we shouldn't consume so many sugary drinks kind of generally, but I think it is a great way of really highlighting it and having people pay attention because sometimes people drink more sodas. We call them sodas in my area and they call it pop and different things, but we drink those sugar drinks more often than we realize. So when you have a project like this and a, a campaign like this, it's a great opportunity to really stop. I actually mentioned this when you, you and I've talked a couple of times, but I mentioned this to my husband. So in our last, our most recent travel, um, he, I noticed each time we stopped and we ordered, he ordered water like every single <laughs> time. And I thought, and he usually his, he likes uh sweet tea from the South. So he started to, to just on his own. And I just kind of, I tease him a little bit. I said, like, Oh, you were, you really caught on. He's like, yeah, I think I'm going to be more aware. I think I need to make better choices. So I love yeah. excited. <laughs> that's so great. Well, that's wonderful. We, we can count one person we've affected so far. That's awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was really great. Um, and so I will have the links and the information that you need to participate for anyone who's listening and would like to participate. And I really encourage you to do this. I think that it is um, if this in any way touches you in terms of your own interest in public health. I'm constantly talking to you guys about finding something that you're interested in, something that you're passionate about and getting involved. And if it's uh, something that you would like to use as a, a way of leadership and getting some experience in public health, this is a great initiative. I mean, this is something that you can, maybe you can rally up some of your friends or some of your classmates or colleagues to do this together and, you know, promote the video and shared on social media. Um, Karen, are there, um, once they submit the video, then they could still share it on social media, are there hashtags maybe with the quit so today or something like that? Yes. The main hashtag is um, IQSD 2018. So that's the main one we're using. Um, but we probably will test out a few other ones to see um, what sticks. I think my own Twitter handle and uh, website is Enjoy Diabetes, um, which is, an, that was the, initially the name for the feature film that we were doing, but now that it has a different name, we're using that just for the, the cloud film. But I think, I think kind of the take on the traditional, uh, soda branding of about enjoying something and then, uh, putting up diabetes with it is a little shocking, but it's also memorable. So we, we may use that hashtag. Oh, that's what caught my attention initially. <laughs> <laughs> so it's definitely effective. So, well, I will, exactly. Yeah. I will make sure that there are links to all of, um, to what we're discussing you guys, um, in the show notes for this episode. So make sure that you are 
checking the show notes page for this episode for that connection. So Karen, I think this is something that is, I'm really excited about the steps that are being taken to raise awareness. Um, this is definitely one of those things that when it comes down to, you know, fighting obesity, preventing obesity, managing weight, or lowering your risk for diabetes, type two diabetes. Um, this is a, a one single effort that people can do. One, one step they can take that has a very powerful impact. And, you know, and that is saying no to sugary drinks and saying yes to water more often. And I think this is something that if we can start to encourage people to do this, you know, one person at a time, one community at a time, I think that it has a huge impact. I know there are so many people that have had success, really great success with when it comes down to weight loss and, and managing their diabetes, even with simply saying no to these sugary drinks and saying yes to water more often. So I definitely am behind you on this. I, I think this is a great opportunity for more people to get involved. And, you know, as I always say, it takes, you know, to together collectively, it really can have an impact, a real positive impact. It sure can. And uh, I was telling some kids that I was filming taking this pledge the other day, I was explaining to them that when I grew up, people could smoke in restaurants and on planes and that, you know, coach was, coaches would even smoke in the locker rooms. I said, I was explaining this to them and I said, you know, we're trying to like just make it better for the next generation. You know, that mm-hmm. it, it, sometimes it takes kids getting active on an issue to just say, no, we're not going to do this anymore. And I think, I think kids telling their parents not to smoke made a difference. And I think that, you know, kids in this, you know, younger generation telling people uh, that, you know, to, quit drinking sugary drinks for their health, I think that, you know, it could really push us over the tipping point and we could have, you know, a lot lower rates of type 2 diabetes if we made that happen. I agree. I definitely agree. So just on a recap, please, I know there's a deadline here and you guys, I'm really encouraging you, rallying you up, you know, let's be a cheerleader here trying to get some attention on this and action. So if you're interested, I really want you to take action, get involved. Uh, There'll be some contact information. So if you wanted to reach out to Karen and find out how you can help with, you know, moving forward with different things that she's got going on, then I definitely want you to take action. But as far as the quit so today, Karen was gracious enough to move that deadline back a little bit. And this, and we moved this episode up some. So we're trying to give you guys the opportunity to participate, but she will need to get the video and the information as soon as possible. So Karen, what is the deadline for the video submission? And then when is the actual soda, uh, quit soda day? Um, we have set the deadline for receiving videos that will be used in the cloud film for September 20th. So that would give us a month to produce the film that would be released on International Quit Soda Day. So um, people do need to think about that. I mean, the the whole filming of it really only takes uh, less than two minutes, but you know, you'd have to download the script and kind of look at it and then submit it. So the whole, it's not time consuming, but um, there may be some opportunities, like you said, if there are people or students, that it could be something that the whole class could do together. Mm-hmm. So you may, it may take some organizing. And we were also talking to some uh, sports teams that will be getting together in the fall when school's back in session about doing it as a team. So 
Um, you know, there are all kinds of opportunities for individuals and groups to participate, and we're open to any kind of creative ideas. If anybody uh, wants to contact me, you know, we're, we would love to hear from them and just try to get as many people involved as possible. Awesome. Awesome. And then actual Quit Soda Day is when? In October the 20th. October 20th. Okay. So that's great. So do you guys get, um, you know, really take action, fast action. And like I said, and I've said this multiple times, this is one of those cases where you don't have to get, it doesn't have to be overly complicated. It's if you just simply participate yourself, make the video and you're a part of it, but you still have time. Like she said, to rally up a small group and get some people together and have more of a community effect or impact. There's time to do that. And so all the resources, the connection to, you know, to reach Karen for questions and information, um, and then for downloading your video, participating, that is in the show notes page for this episode. So, um, you guys, let's rally together and see what kind of impact, how we can help add to this community of people that are trying to have a positive impact on the health of children and preventing diabetes and reducing this consumption of sugary drinks. And, you know, type 2 diabetes is largely preventable. And, you know, if you, if you're going to make a health impact, it's, you know, something like this can really make a big difference. And it's all through education and, and then social action. I really think that this, we could all work together to really make a difference on this issue. Absolutely. Well, Karen, I really appreciate your time and attention, your passion to pursue this. This is really um, admirable. And I hope that you are, you know, really sparking some interest in people that are listening to this episode to really take action themselves and really get involved. So I admire the work that you do. And I absolutely want to have you back here, you know, after the first of the year, get closer to the spring to get an update on the film and its release and and how we can help you with promoting that as well. Oh, that would be great. All right. Well, um, Hello to everybody out there, and uh, thanks for in advance for all the help you can give. And Dr. Huntley, thank you for being a hub of information for everybody who's out there trying to do good things. Oh, awesome. You're very welcome. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. I really appreciate Karen taking the time, coming on the podcast, and sharing the projects that she's working on and opening up this opportunity for all of you to participate and support the cause. So you can visit the show notes for this episode to find the links to all the things that we discussed. Now the show notes page for this episode is at drchhuntley.com forward slash podcast. So drchhuntley.com go to the podcast section and then from there navigate to episode 53. And that's where you'll find the show notes for this episode. All right. So remember the deadline for submitting videos is September 20th of 2018. So if this is something that you're interested in, I really encourage you to take quick action so that you don't miss out or miss the deadline and and not be able to participate. I think it's a really worthy cause and I really highly recommend and suggest that you do that. So if you have any further questions, you'll also find a link to contact Karen directly from the show notes page on this episode. All right. Until next time, you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast at drchuntley.com.